Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We honor you in this place, Lord. We honor you in this place, Lord. He is the great I am. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And as you do that, our core kids are dismissed to their classes. You know, worship doesn't stop when the music stops. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. When you got it, say so. And it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that I, that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Lord God, we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for your presence that is here. And we thank you for your love that is shed abroad in our hearts. And this morning, I ask you, Lord God, in these next few moments, that you would move in this place as your word goes forth that you move upon our hearts, that you speak to our lives, that you give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, and that you would utilize this message to propel us into this new year, Lord God, focused on being the kind of people that you've called us to be. Father, glorify your name. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. That was awesome, was it not? Can we give the worship team a hand of praise and just thank them for being faithful, being faithful to point us to Jesus, right? That, that's, that, that to me is what uh, worship is all about. It's about looking at Jesus. It's about looking at God. And, and I think the signs of, of a, a good worship team is when they can point you to Christ, right? When they can get out of the way and they can simply say, look, feast on the Savior. And so I think that was a beautiful thing. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure that you get one. As always, I want you to follow along in the outline. I want you to be able to take notes. I want you to be able to answer some questions. And I want you to utilize 
utilize this as a tool to help someone else grow in their faith. Every week we say that we're committed to loving God, growing together, reaching others, and, or serving and reaching others, and that we are engaging people where they are, building faith in Christ, right? And so what does that mean, right? It's not just a slogan. It's not just something that we want to say, but it is something that we should be doing, helping other people grow in their faith in Christ. And every uh, person's life that you're in contact with, they can either A, come to the saving knowledge who Jesus is through evangelism, or they can grow stronger in their faith in God through edification. And so you should be utilized for one of two things in the lives of those that are around you. So you should be A, praying for those that don't know Jesus, and B, you should be encouraging those who do know Christ and praying for them as well. So I just encourage you to use this as a tool to help people grow in their faith. And the way you do that is by going through the Word of God. And I think the easiest way, I know for me, when I come and I preach a sermon to you, I didn't necessarily hear the sermon because I don't like listen to sermons and then preach that. That would be terrible. But what I do is I listen to the Father and I study His Word and I go through this and God speaks to me and then I communicate that. And so that's all that I'm doing. And it's the same thing for you and helping someone grow in their faith is being able to, what you, what you have been hearing, being able to share that with them. Also, for those of you that have, that, that have followed along last year in the Bible Reading Challenge, last week I mentioned it, that we are going to change up the challenge this year, and so we're going to be reading one psalm a day, we're going to be reading one proverb a day, this is for the whole year, and we're going to be reading um, one Old Testament passage and one New Testament passage for the entire year, and so that's our goal for this year. I also put a, um, a, a thing on Realm, and so if you're interested in being part of that, if you want to follow that, then I'm going to create a group on Monday, and if you want to be part of that, then you can let me know on Realm, and then I'll make sure that you get on there, and that way you can be reminded of where we are. Today's the 7th, so you should be in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. You should be in Genesis chapter 7. You should be in Psalm chapter 7 and Proverbs chapter 7. So that's the goal. I hope that you'll follow along. If you're not following along this challenge, I encourage you, be in the Scriptures. That's what this is about, right? That's the encouragement. That's the whole reason for this is so that way you will be in God's Word. And so that today we're talking about recommitted to, recommitted to, and we wanna, I want to deal with the topic of a New Year's revelation. Revolution, right? Not just a resolution, but a New Year's revolution, right? I think that we had, need to see some radical change in our lives, right? I believe that we can experience that. And so first part of this paragraph here, we have been blessed with a new year that presents with new opportunities in some areas, a restart. And so obviously... God is gracious every day. The, the Bible says that God's mercies are new every year, right? No. Right? I know. <laughs> It's new every year too, amen, all right, right? But the Bible does say that God's mercies are new every day. So what does that mean for us? That means that every day we get a restart, do we not? We get to start over every day. Every week we go through a cycle. It's a seven-day cycle, right? Sunday to Saturday, right? Or what? And then, and then we, walk, we start again on Sunday. On day eight, it's the first day of the week, and so we start over again, right? Every month we go through the same thing. We have a cycle, and we begin every month over. And then God graciously allows us as well every year to start over. And what we do is often in the beginning of the year, we, we put some goals forth, or we do resolutions, or whatever it is that you do, and we sit down and we think about that. And so here's the question in the second part of that paragraph. The question is, what will you be committed to in this year and why? What is it that you will be committed to in this year and why will you be committed to it? Will you be committed to whatever it is you're committing to for selfish reasons or will you be committed to those things because you want to bring glory to God in your life? 
And, and listen, this doesn't just go with just spiritual things, right? This can be you being a better, or, and this all ties into spirituality, but it's not just about praying like, oh, well, I'm going to commit to praying more. I, think, I would hope that you're going to commit to praying more. You know, on the topic of prayer, Sister Juanita, she texted me on Saturday, and she said, Bishop, I, you know, I want to share something with you. And she said, I had this really quick dream. And she said, and in this dream, she said, you were in front of the church, and you were imploring the church to come to the altar to pray. And, and you know, people were kind of like stagnant, and they weren't really responding. And then you were like, like intensely waving your hands. You know, I move my hands a lot when I talk. And so you were like, hey, you need to come and pray. And imploring you to pray. And so I believe that that is a prophetic dream, right, for us as a church to say, wait a second, we need to come, not, not, not to this altar like here, but to come to the altar of prayer, to, to, to resurrect the altar of prayer in our life. If you've been struggling with prayer, you know, throughout 2017, this is a clarion call from God to rise up to the call, to, to respond to God in prayer, to grow spiritually, right? Like that should be a goal for every one of us to be seeking God more in this year than we did last year in prayer. Also to be in the word, right? Like we should be desiring to be in God's word. But can I tell you something? You can have New Year's goals and resolutions that are not so much directly spiritual, but are still implications of your spirituality. Like you can decide, you know what? I want to be on time every day this year to work. Amen. For some of you, that's a miracle, right? I mean, just like, I just, some people are like, Bishop, I don't know, man, that's, that's pretty. But the reality is, you being on time or being early is what? It's a reflection of your character, right? You can, you can decide, man, you know what? I, I want to I wanna be the best neighbor that I can be this year, right? In other words, I want to care about my neighbors. I want to see what my neighbors are going through. I'm going to pray for my neighbors, and I'm going to reach out to them. Like, those are things that should be happening in our lives. And then the scripture that we're looking at this morning, we're talking about giving. And you'll notice, if you were here last week. Some of you were not, and I missed you, but nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead and preach that sermon again. No, I'm just kidding. You can see that sermon online if you want to see that. But here's the thing. Last, last, last week, or last year, and you know, both are facts, I, I ended the year with a sermon that was dealing with what? It was this widow, this widow that gave sacrificially. And then this, this year and, and this week, I'm starting off the year dealing with something that is very similar in context because it's dealing with giving, the topic of giving. And so if you were uncomfortable last week, I'm sorry, you'll probably be uncomfortable this week. Hopefully not. But nonetheless, ultimately, we're dealing with this topic. And we should consider this, right? Well, I said it last, I said it last week, and the main, the big idea was what? That our greatest impact is going to be through our giving. Our greatest impact is going to be through our giving. The greatest impact that we can have, and can I tell you something? Let me put it like this. Your greatest joy is going to come through your giving. I know some of you are like, no, nah, Bishop, I'm broke. I, that's, I don't feel good when I give. Listen, the, the thing is this. I, I understand that, right? Like, I get it where, where it's like, man, I don't, you know, I don't feel so great because I'm sacrificing something. But you know what? When your mindset changes in your giving, man, you're able to have a serious joy like we're going to see in the Macedonian people here. But the question is this, not just what are you going to be committed to, but why are you going to be committed to it? And I would implore you to be committed to those things because you want to please God in everything. Everything you commit to, I want to please God in everything. Listen, for those of you that have physical goals this year, let it be for the glory of God. You know, God cares about your temple. Hello, somebody. Doesn't mean you got to get obsessed, right? But maybe eat a little less. Amen. 
or eat a little bit more healthy, right? Something like that. I don't know. But anyway, all that said, whatever we're doing, it's got to be for the glory of God. Second paragraph there. Our commitments or resolutions should be rooted in the grace of God toward us. And what I mean by rooted in the grace of God toward us is we need to know this, that there's a scripture that is misused often, right? And it's this scripture that, you know, we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of y'all have ever used that scripture? Right? Amen. I'm not going to ask you if you used it wrong, but here's what I'm going to tell you. In the context of what the Apostle Paul is talking about, he's not just talking about doing anything you want. He's talking about going through hardship and trial. Hello, somebody. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Unfortunately, in our culture, the way that we apply that scripture is anything I want to do, God's going to give me the strength for it. Not true. Listen, we lie to our children to tell them, hey, you can do anything you want. That's not true. Your children can only do what God has equipped them and called them to do. That's it. If your child is called to be president of the United States, guess what? It will happen. That's just it. Not everybody, I promise you. Let me like 45 people that have been president of the United States, okay? So a lot of people thought I could do anything. That's not anything. Hello. Anyway. I'm just saying. Like... You look at you look at basketball, look at football, you look at I mean you look at all of these different things that people may aspire to. You're not gonna be able to do anything, but you can do all things that God has called you to do. Anything that God's grace is there for you to do. So that's what I mean by it needs to be tied, it needs to be rooted in the grace of God. How do I know what God offers me grace for? It's by what is found in the Word of God. I know what God gives me grace for because it's found in the scriptures. So what I need to do when I'm looking at my goals, I need to look at what does the Bible say? Is that a biblical goal? Is that something that I should be striving toward because the scriptures say, like for me, one of my goals in this year is to grow in a specific virtue. It is called patience. Hello, somebody. Right? Because I've come, I've concluded that I am an impatient person. And therefore, the Bible says something that's very important. It is this. It says that love is all right, only a couple of you know that. But here's the thing. So if, I, if I'm a man that is governed by love, then I have to be a man who walks in patience. Hello, somebody. Glory to God. All right. But I know God's grace is toward me and growing in that area. So that's a godly goal. That's a God-glorifying goal. But I'm not just going to pray about being patient, right? I'm going to do that, right? Don't Listen, don't listen to the, to the people that tell you, don't pray for patience because you're going to have trials. Can I tell you something? Trials are going to come whether you pray for them or not. You not praying for things doesn't mean it's not, well, you know, God's not going to give you. Listen, shut up. Here's, tell them, not you, them, right? Shut up, shut up, shut up. That's not true, Right? When I remember being a young Christian, like, people would say that. No, you know, don't pray for patience because, you know, the Lord gives you trials. I'm like, now I'm like, you're stupid. Like, that doesn't even make any kind of sense, right? Like, trials are coming, right? Like, regardless, they're coming. And so God, you know why? Because God wants me to be patient. Hello. He wants you to look more like him. Is that, is, is not God patient? I would say so. Just think about your life for like one second. Is he patient? Yeah. Yeah. Amen, right? Yeah. He's really patient, right? I mean, just, I mean, thinking, like, when I look, when I think of myself, I'm like, man, he is so patient, glory to God. Oh, my goodness. But ultimately, so, so, so I know that I can grow in patience, and I need to pray for that, but I'm not just going to pray for that. My goal in this year is to memorize 12 verses that deal with patience, right? One a month that I can meditate on because I really want to grow in this virtue. See, a lot of people say they want to grow in an area, but they're not really committed to it. See, because what happens is it's not just me praying, God, you know, and I don't know about you, but I know me. Like, I'm, I can talk about myself. Let's talk about me right now. I'm not talking about you, all right? 
But I know that I can pray for something and be like, I mean, I'm sincere, like in my heart, like God, please deliver me. I'm tired of sinning against you like that. I'm tired of doing whatever that, that action is, and I'm sick of it. But you know what I find? I find that the sincerity ends at the end of the prayer. Once I feel better in my heart, then I'm good to go. And what I don't do is I don't apply the logic of what? I need to be renewed in my mind. And so what I have to do is I have to say, God, I don't want to be like that anymore. And the way that that happens is what the Bible says, it's through the process of repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance means to turn away from something. But you know what repentance means in its root? It means to change your mind. You see, the reason why I turn around from an action is because I've changed my mind about it. You want to know why some people don't eat pork? Because they're crazy. But here's the thing. Because they done lost their mind, but no. It is because, it is because, my sister Jasmine, I got her back. It is because she watched a documentary that pointed out this little worm that's inside of this pork. And now we all understand that no matter how hard, how high you heat the pork, that worm doesn't die. Thank God he sanctified all foods for Thanksgiving, right? Amen. So worms and all. But, but nonetheless, right? You want to know why? You, you want to know why that happened was because their mind was changed regarding that particular. You know why some people are vegetarians? Because they're crazy. But nonetheless. <laughs> Listen, I would be a ty- Tyrannosaurus Rex if I was a dinosaur. I was just like, there's nowhere on God's green earth I could be a, you know, whatever, an herbivore. Just, anyway, but, but, but here's the thing, right? Like after the, let me, just, let me just say this, right? Like after the fall, God said, kill and eat. So I'm going to do that. But nonetheless, again, the reason why some folks are vegetarian is because of what? Because they got a revelation on something. It changed their way of thinking about something. Therefore, they turned away from it and they no longer participate in it. And while you and I are calling them crazy, they're calling us crazy. Right? Because you're eating worms and you're, anyway, so, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're, seriously, you know, I mean, so, but what happened is it's a, it's, it's a changing of your mind. And can I tell you something? Any area that you want to grow in in your faith, you are going to have to have a change of mind. You want to know why you continue to sin against God the way that you have? It's not because you're not sincere in your prayer. It's more so because you're not renewing your mind in that area. And so what happens is when, you, when that sin rises up in you, you have nothing to combat it with except a sincere heart that doesn't want to sin that way. But if you equipped yourself with the word of God, you know what would happen? Your mind would change. And when that sin rises up, when that temptation comes, you know what's going to come up with it? Scripture. Hence, me memorizing 12 scriptures. So whatever area you need to grow in, let me challenge you. Memorize 12 scriptures this year. One a month. It's just one a month. Start today, memorizing, meditating on it, every day praying it, and next month, add to that. Continue to add to that by the end of the year. And if you have not been changed, man, then I'm going to retire. I'm just kidding. Patience. Patience. Amen. I'm going to be patient. Listen, if, if we, 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 we have to be sincere about this, and so we have to do that. But not just, listen, that was like the middle of my point there, but anyway, I don't even know. I got like 14 minutes here. So ultimately... They must be rooted in grace and then, listen, must be dependent upon this grace as well if we are to see them fulfilled and fruitful. So here's the thing. 
the end of the year, we talked about giving, right? We dealt with this widow, and now in the beginning of the year, we're dealing with giving. And so my hope is that in our giving, man, I hope that we'll grow because I do believe that God is calling us to give more. And, and listen, I mean that in all fronts. I don't, mean, I, don't, I don't just mean that financially. I mean that in every area of our time. I mean that in every area of our talent. I mean that, listen, man, what am I giving to God? Let today be the day that I commit to be the greatest giver of all. Not greater than anybody else in the room. The greatest giver I can be right? That I give everything that I have to give, right? So that needs to be our heart. And, and if we want to come to the end of the year and we want, if I want to see patience, right, being a reality in my life, then I'm going to have to do what? Depend on the grace of God. By being in the word of God, trusting God, and that way God will make me fruitful and, and make me to be faithful to fulfill that. The last thing here before we move on, it is my prayer that this year will be one of revolution for you personally and for us together, resulting in a greater impact upon our families, friends, communities, and our culture. Now, I don't know about you, but that's what, I, that's what my desire is. My desire is that there will be a great change in my heart. My desire is that I'll be more of a man of God than I've ever been, that I will grow in God's grace more than I've ever grown, that I will become deeper in a relationship with God than I've ever been, that I will experience and know him more, that I'll be able to share him on greater levels than I have ever before, that we would be able to be the people that God's called us to be. Because here's what I know, is that if I'm changed as an individual and you're changed as an individual, when we come together collectively, there's a massive change change that's occurring. There's something great that's happening. And I don't know about you, but how many of you want your family to be changed a little bit more? How many of you want your friends to be changed a little bit more? How many of you want your coworkers to be changed a little bit more? Some of you are like, pray for them. Amen. Like, glory to God. Right? Like, I mean, how many of you want your community to be changed a little bit more? Right? And the only way that this happens, and ultimately that will bring a change to the culture, but it has to be by the grace of God working in our lives. And so here's the big idea that I have for you. As we are changed by God's grace, we will live to give. As we are changed by God's grace, we will live to give. And, I, and listen, the reason why this becomes so important is because as we look at our lives, as our lives are being changed, the reason why I'm willing to give of myself, the reason why I'm willing to give of my time, the reason why I'm willing to give of my finances is because my life has been changed and is being changed by the grace of God. And so if we want to be the people that God's called us to be, we have got to be those who are being changed by the grace of God. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, biblical giving, biblical giving is, rooted is rooted in our love for God. Biblical giving is rooted in our love for God. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. First of all, it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God. Say the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, what I want you to realize is that the Apostle Paul starts off this exhortation that he's giving to the church in Corinth with something very important. And it isn't that he's talking about just the good works of men. He's talking about the great work of God, which is the grace of God. Are you here? What he's saying is, I make known to you the grace of God. He's saying, this is how you can see the grace of God. Now, whenever we think of grace, whenever that term comes up, I don't know about you, but automatically what comes to my mind is salvation. Is it not, right? Because we're saved by grace. But what we have to realize is that grace goes beyond salvation into the place of sanctification, right? It's more than just saving us, securing us eternally, bring us into a right standing with God, but grace is also the thing that makes us live for God. Are you here? 
And one of the things that happens to our lives whenever we are changed by the grace of God is that we become those type of people that are living to give. Are you here? This is what Paul says. So I want you to, I want you to note some things here about this Mac, these Macedonians, right? So first of all, the Macedonian people, they were a makeup of Philippi, Thessalonica, and, and Berea. That was where, where Macedonia was. And so all of these churches are included in this. And he says this. Look at verse 2. He says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. I want you to notice this. He says that they were under great trial. They were under great hardship. They were under great difficulty. And what happened out of that great difficulty, not only that, and out of their deep poverty. In other words, when he says deep poverty here, he's talking about them being in a beggar state. They were, they were be- I mean, they were broke. You want to talk about broke? I mean, they were broke. Hello, somebody. He says they were these kind of, these people were in a great trial of affliction, and they, but in that affliction, they had a great joy. And their deep poverty did what? It turned to the riches of their liberality. In other words, their riches, their willingness to give. Here's what they did. They gave abundantly, and they didn't have a lot to give. I remember going on a missions trip. And in this mission trip, we went to Mexico, and we were in the, in the jungles in Mexico. And I remember them telling us, listen, whenever somebody comes to, whenever, whenever they make a meal for you, you have to make sure that you eat whatever they put before you because they are going to go without so that way you can eat. So I remember they came over, and they had made a meal, and they were walking around handing out food, and they came over, and they handed my wife a piece of chicken in a cup. The problem was that the chicken still had the foot on it. <laughs> now, my wife is real finicky. She doesn't like to eat with me when I'm at the table because, I'm, you know, I learned how to eat chicken. I don't know about y'all, but when you eat chicken, you don't leave chicken, right? In other words, all you leave is a bone, right? And if you're real deep into it, you get to the cartilage. I don't go that level. I don't go to that level. But the point is I learned how to eat chicken, right? My wife, on the other hand, she's like, I don't even want to see the bone. Like, she's, she will get up and walk away from the table, right? Like, that kind of stuff. And so praise God that I have a stomach like steel, and I was like, baby, give me that. I'll make you look good, right? So, <laughs> but ultimately, here's the thing. The reason why those people are able to give in that manner, they're able to give sacrifices because they're not all wimpy. I'm going to call us wimpy as Americans. Hello, Right? Because we think, I mean, look, these people, they live in a hut that's like this big, right? Like literally, like that's the wall and like this, and there's like eight of them, right? They have cots that they bring out. They, 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 don't, they don't have running water. Hello, somebody, right? They, 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 they have a well that some woman comes out and she gets, and I would say one woman because I saw her do it. And I was so amazed. I tried to do it. I couldn't do it. I was strong. I thought I was a strong guy until I saw that. I was like, man, I can't even pull water out of a well. Hello. An empty bucket halfway up. I'm like, winded. And she's just like doing it like nothing. She can bring two buckets and comes back out. I'm like, man, glory to God. But anyway, but why are these people able to give like the Macedonian people? The Macedonian people were broke. The Macedonian people were in lack. The Macedonian people, they weren't balling, okay? They, they, they weren't comfortable with what they're giving. And how, how do I know this? Well, look, let's look at the next verse. He says, for I bear witness, verse 3, that according to their ability, so what they were able to give, yes, and then what? And beyond their ability. So here's what they did. They not only gave what they had to give, but they gave beyond that. 
And that was their joy. It doesn't finish there. Look what it says. It says imploring, and it says freewheeling because that's the way that giving should be. It shouldn't be forced. It shouldn't be guilt-led. It shouldn't be emotionally driven. It shouldn't be rule-based. It should be freewheeling. That's how they did it. And he says imploring us with much urgency. Listen, these people were imploring them with much urgency that we would receive the gift. Literally what it's saying there is they were begging them, please take this offering. How many of you are begging to give? Like, Bishop, hurry up and finish so I can give. No, you're saying, hurry up and finish so I can go eat. Right? <laughs> said amen. They said amen, right? I'm hungry too. I've been here since early, so I'm feeling you. I'm going to wrap this up right now. Just give. Glory to God. Amen. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. See, if y'all just jumped up and were like, yo, let's give right now, I would have I finished the sermon, but y'all weren't moved, so I, I'm gonna, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. So he's, he's begging them. He's be- I mean, they're begging, please receive this gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And remember, this particular portion of Scripture is dealing with a specific offering that was being taken up. Chapters 8 and 9 of the book of 2 Corinthians are the clearest and most robust explanation of how New Testament giving should be, should be dealt with. And it shows us about a specific offering, but it gives us some idea so we can understand this is the way that we should be giving. They understood that. They were partaking. Whenever you give, you have to understand. You are partaking in a kingdom work. You're enabling us to give to others. You're enabling us to continue to minister to lives. That's what your giving does. You're part of something greater. It's not just giving something so someone can have money. It's not that. You're giving toward kingdom purposes. And verse 5 says, and not only as we had hoped, listen to this, but they gave first, but they first, say first, gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. Here's, here's, here's what I want to close in this point, is that we will only live to give when we, have get, when we have given our lives unto the Lord first. See, here's what you got to get. God doesn't want your stuff. He wants your life. Did you hear me? God does not want your stuff. He wants your life. He doesn't want 10%. He doesn't want 20%. He doesn't want 30%. He doesn't want 50%. He doesn't want 99.9%. He wants 100%. He wants all of your life. Because when you have given him all of your life, listen, your money's going to follow. But if you have not given him your life, it bothers you to hear about giving. It, 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 it rubs you the wrong way. And listen, even for some people that have been in church for a long time, man, you got a question. It's like I, I gave you all the analogy last week. Some people get baptized, hold their wallet out of the water in their heart. Hello, somebody. And my life is yours, my money's not. But at the end of the day, those things bother you, right? Like, and, and so it's a, it's a heart issue. And so the first thing that the Macedonians did was they gave themselves to the Lord. Second point here, say this with me. Biblical giving, Biblical giving is expressed in our commitment to others. Biblical giving is expressed in our commitment to others. Let's read the rest of that verse. And it says, and then to us by the will of God. See, here's the thing. The result of giving our lives unto the Lord is giving ourselves to the rest of the body to serve the will of God. You see, when I've given my life to the Lord, when I've given myself unto God, you know what is the automatic, what is resultant is that I go from giving my life to Christ to asking what else can I give? I've given my life to the Lord. I want to give everything that I have to God. I want to give my time to serve. I want, I, want, I want to do what it is that God has called me to do. I want my talent. I have a talent. I want to use that talent for God. I want to use it for his glory. When I first got saved, I became a Christian. I remember I got saved radically. My mom led me to Jesus. And then 
they were going to do this, um, the, the, youth, the youth were going to a youth camp, and they wanted to do this rap, this hip-hop thing. And, you know, I was like a worldly, crazy hip-hop head, and I got saved. And I remember they were talking about it, and I don't know why they decided to talk about it in front of my mom. And she volunteers me, hello, to go and lead this group. I'm like literally saved for like a month, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go lead some Christians, right, in hip-hop. So, I, so I, know, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing, but you know what? I love Jesus, and I was like, well, I guess so. And so we started rehearsing. We started practicing and all this kind of stuff, and then went to the youth camp, and I was so nervous. Hello, somebody. You know, I was like, I, I wish like, you know, microphones are only so big. I was trying to hide behind the mic. I, was, I wasn't the guy that I am today. But nonetheless, I had a talent. I had a gift. And then as, as God graciously grew my life and stuff like that, I was able to use that for his glory for a time and then realized that I was called to preach and, you know, started to preach God's word. But what happened was it came to that point in my life where I, where I understood, man, I had given my life to Jesus and then everything else was his. Everything else was his. And listen, let me tell you something. I struggle with money. I, 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 I can confess that to you. There was a long time when I first became a Christian. You know, when I, first, when I first became a Christian, I started serving Jesus. And, you know, my pastor used to talk about tithing every single week. We don't talk about tithing every week. I don't feel like I need to do that. But here's the thing. We talk about giving. We expect giving. Giving is an automatic. But I didn't believe. I was like, man, I don't think that I need to be giving. And I'm not going to give you the whole story. But nonetheless, there came a point in time that I had a realization. I remember that. I, I'll tell you the story because you want to hear the story anyway. So here it is. I know you do. You're like, Bishop, you started to tell this story about you. And so I was, I was like an on and off kind of giver. I gave whenever I wanted. I was not faithful in anything. And I remember one day I was coming home. And as I was coming home, I, I had the, the car that I had. It was one of those low riders and stuff like that. And so I remember I hit a bump. And when I hit this bump, the car, <laughs> the car was like, Bruh! it made like some funny noise. And it got real hard to steer. And I was like, what on earth? The devil? And then I remember driving, and I was coming down the street, and I, I lived with my grandmother, which was a, like down the block from my mom. I remember driving by my mother's house, and as I was driving by my mother's house, there was a guy that was coming out of the house. And my mom's not a hoochie. Now listen to what I'm saying, all right? <laughs> this guy was the actual person. I'm letting them know because the guy's coming out of your house. You know, they were like, what do you mean, a guy? Like, listen, that isn't, that isn't the kind of guy. This was one of the pastors of our church. And he was coming out of the house. The reason why, it was because. <laughs> anyway, moving on, right? I can't fix this. No matter what, it's, I'm sorry. She wasn't doing anything. Listen, he was, he, was, he was looking for me because he sold me this car, right? And in him selling me this car, he left me on his insurance, Ah, now you see it ain't got nothing to do with her. I, I, I had to tell you the story, though. So remember, I had this clunk that happened. I'm driving down the road. I see this guy walking out of the house. I'm pulling up into my driveway, and as I pull up in the car, he pulls in behind me, and he's like, listen, I'm going to need the license plate from the car because I'd gotten into an accident, and then I was going to work this out with the person I got into the accident with, and they didn't want to do that. They took the license plate number. They called the insurance. They were going to be sued. Long story short, I ended up having a car that I had to fix, and not only did I have to fix the car, but I also had to go on ahead and get my license or, or my, my registration, and I had to pay all that kind of stuff. So that was like double trouble. Hello. And it was at that moment that I realized, man, you continue being unfaithful to God with what you should be giving, guess what? You're going to have an issue. And that was the moment that I was delivered. 
See, because no matter where you stand on this topic, I'm going to tell you something right now. When Jesus was asked the question, do you give taxes to Caesar? He said something that was really powerful. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. I don't care where you are. Old Testament, New Testament, there's something that belongs to God. So you can take that wherever you want. But anyway, but before that moment, I had issues. I, had, I struggled with this being faithful with 10%. And then you know what happened? I started giving. I started giving faith. I started giving faith. Give faith. Give faith. I continue to do that. And then I started to realize, man, when I come to church on every other week, because, you know, I got paid biweekly, I was like, man, I got no money in my hand. I'm like, man, I need to give. I, I want to give. Like, I started to grow in that desire. What did I say in the beginning? I said that you will have your greatest joy in your giving. And so we need to be those kind of people that have this joy that we see in the Macedonians. So they gave themselves to the Lord, and oh, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to the church by the will of God. And so here's what I want you to look at verse 7 really, really quickly, and I'm going to wrap this up and I, as quickly as I can. But look at verse 7. It says, but as you abound, this is my verse. I mean, I'm going to memorize 12 others, but this is my verse for the year. But as you abound in everything, right? And so Paul, and so Paul is saying, as you grow in everything. As you grow in all these things, I want you to grow in this other thing. But look what he says. As you grow, as you abound in everything, in faith. How many of you believe we should grow in faith? Right? Like you should want to grow in faith. Like that should be something that should be happening. How many of you believe we should grow in speech, our ability to communicate the gospel, our ability to communicate lovingly, graciously, right? You would all say amen to that. In knowledge. How many of you think we should grow in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of scripture? Like you should grow in those things. In all diligence. Diligence meaning in your willingness to do good works. How many of you believe we should be willing to do good works? I think we should all. And, and he says, and in your love for us. How many of you think we should grow in love for one another? Yeah. Right? Now, now, now let's look at the last thing. Look what he says now. See that you abound in this grace also. How many of you think we should grow in the grace of giving? That's what the scripture says. Paul is saying, listen, you should abound in faith. You should abound in speech. You should abound in knowledge. You should abound in diligence. You should abound in love for others 100%. He said, but you should also grow in this grace. The grace of giving. So we start 2018 and we get to think about what? Man, how, what kind of giver am I going to be? We're talking about money, so let's just be clear with it. What kind of giver are you going to be in 2018? What kind of giver? Are you going to be a faithful one? Are you going to be a giver that says, man, God, I'm going to give even when it hurts? Hello, somebody. Yeah. I'm, going to give, I'm going to give above and beyond where, where I'm at right now. I'm going to move forward in giving. I want to do that. And listen, this is not some kind of giving campaign. I'm just preaching. Hello. Right? We're, 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 not, we're not like broke and I'm trying to like, you know, hammer you. It's nothing like that. This is what God's word says. And this is where God is calling us to be givers. Not just of our finances, but you need to know something. Your giving financially shows a lot about your heart. Third thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, it is only when we understand our debt that we are freed to give biblically. It is only when we understand our debt that we are free to give biblically. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, I speak not by commandment. I speak not by commandment. Here's the thing. He said, I'm not giving you a command. I'm not telling you you have to give this much. I'm not telling you you have to do that. He's, he's not doing that because giving is supposed to be what? It's supposed to be from our heart. It's supposed to come from inside of us. It's supposed to come from here, right? It's not that we give emotionally, but it's got to come from us, right? Free willing is the way that the Macedonians give. It's the same way we should give. But look what he says. Look at this. And if I were to tell you this, you would get offended. If I was like sitting down with you one day and I said, you know, I'm not giving you a commandment, but I'm testing you. I'm testing your love by the diligence of others. 
right? This is what he says to them. He says, you know what I'm doing? I'm letting you know these people gave sacrificially. These people gave with enthusiasm. These people were begging to give. And so you know what? I want to see your love in action because their love was in action. They were doing, they were giving in that manner that they, look, they gave in, in a way that showed their heart. And so I'm calling you to the same account. But look at what he says. This is why he does this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, prior to him coming to this earth, he was rich. In his preeminent state, he was rich. He was surrounded by angels in glory. He needed absolutely nothing. 100% God. Though he, though he was rich, that you through his poverty might become rich. For your sakes, he became poor. For our sakes, he became poor. See, you know what frees us? The gospel frees us. See, it's when I understand my debt to God that giving becomes automatic in my life. It becomes something that's not sporadic. It's something that I do consistently because of what? Because I recognize, man, he died in my place. He came to this earth. He did. He lived the life that I could never live and died the death that I deserve. That is what it means. He came into this earth, put on flesh, did for me what I could not do for myself. He saved me from my sin. I'm born in sin. I'm separated from God because of my rebellion, and yet he dies in my place. That's what he does. And you know what Paul is saying here? He's saying this, you know the grace of God. You know the grace of God. That is your motivation for giving. That is the reason why you give. That's the reason why you want to grow in this grace, because of what Jesus did for you. That is what motivates us. That is what moves our hearts. That is what leads us to being the givers that God has called us to be. And listen, he's not, he, I'm not just talking again. We are talking specifically about finances here, so don't get that twisted. I don't want to take it out of its context, but I'm talking about your life. See, because the question is this, is that have you given your life? He became poor for our sake, that through his poverty, we might become rich. He wants, us to, he wants us to live that way, with that understanding, being freed from all of the comforts, all of the desires that we have that combat with him, that we would say, God, you know what I want to do? I want to glorify you, and I want to be that person that you've called me to be. And so here is my closing question for you. Are you ready for a new year revolution rooted in grace and expressed in giving? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to be changed radically? Listen, I promise you, if you will commit to giving him your time, to giving him your talent, and to giving him your treasure, you will experience change in your heart like never before. It's the bottom line. So the question is, are you ready? Come on, let's stand on our feet and let's pray together. Bow your heads for a moment. I just want to say this. If you haven't given your life to the Lord, if you haven't committed to him, then this is problematic because you don't want to give anything else. You may feel you may be in this place and you haven't given your life, and so I encourage you, this morning, to call upon Jesus. Call upon him. Ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you for your sin. Ask him to deliver you and to make you a new creation in him. Ask him to fill you with his spirit and then become the giver that he wants you to be. Maybe you're in this place and, you're, and you just struggle with giving. It's just, there's just that issue in your heart. It's just, listen, repent of that. Repent of that today. Ask God to forgive you for your selfishness. Ask God to forgive you for your greed. 
And listen, you may be in this place and you are like struggling. You're like, man, this is two weeks in a row. Next week, I don't think I'm talking about giving. I don't think so. We'll see what happens. So come back. But here, 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 here's the thing. We may. We may just talk about giving every single I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. We'll talk about giving our life. But, but here, 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 here's the thing. You may, you may be in here and you're like, man, Bishop, I want to give. I want to give. I just, I, I just don't, I, I don't have it. I don't know. Listen to me. The Macedonians are an example for us. They're an example of people who didn't have, and they found a way to give. And so my challenge is that, is that you would be faithful to God. It's not about me. This is about you and your walk with Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I come to you today. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for this time that we've been able to share together. And I thank you because I know that you are calling us, you're challenging us to be gracious givers. You're calling us to be those who are faithful with what you have given us. And so today, Lord God, my prayer is for each and every person in this place that we would all be overtaken and overwhelmed by the grace of God that we would be overtaken by the love of God, that we would be overtaken by the revelation that is true in the gospel, and that we, Heavenly Father, would be moved to give according to your will and your heart. Above everything else, I pray for the ones in here that may not know you, God, may you draw their hearts to you today, and may you save them, deliver them, and free them to be the givers that you've called them to be. I pray for the ones in here that may be battling with selfishness and greed or with uh, lack of, of, uh, of conviction to give, Lord God. May you deal with their hearts in this place today. And I pray for those that are struggling, that, are, that, that don't even see how they can give, God. May they find the faith. May they find the way. May they be as the Macedonians were, Lord God. And may they give toward the purpose that you've called them to give, Lord, for your glory and for your honor's sake. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise.